Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we bum a smoke from Mr. Miyamoto. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the incoming uh, Indie World Showcase uh, and the success of Bloodstained on Switch. And then on Thursday, we're either going to be talking about that Indie World Showcase or we're going to be curating our own Zelda trilogies. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I always love when we hedge our bets on Thursdays. Yes. I mean, look, sometimes sometimes we're pretty sure we're like, there's going to be a direct. That's what we have to talk about on Thursday. And then we don't come up with a concept. <laughs> we have a we have a concept because Mar- I mean, what we'll get to it. But like there's a very real possibility that there won't really be anything like immediately newsworthy and like that we have to talk about from this Indie World Showcase. Yeah, I feel like that's been, the, not that they haven't been fun to watch, but I feel like that's been the case for the last couple of them where there hasn't yeah. been like any like huge megaton announcements. Yeah, and so if there are megaton announcements and we're wrong, then that's what we're going to talk about. Look, we're, we're building in contingency plans. <laughs> we're we're getting to we're getting to a point in quarantine. We're getting to a point in this heat wave um, where it is like, yes, let's build up what happens if, right? Like, right. You know, are we freezing water? You know, just in case, like we need to keep things cold. Like, yeah, you bet. Yeah, you exactly. Bet. Have a plan so that, w- mm-hmm. and then you don't have to worry about it. That's right. Speaking of plans and having them, would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? It's back in the mail. Mark, I'll have you know that uh, I, I, you can borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. All you have to do is send us an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And give us a mailing address and we will send it to you. Mark, I am now sending Sonic Forces out without its box. I'm sending it in an envelope with all of the, the game card itself and all of the stuff that goes with it. Uh, and I'm just sending it in an envelope with postage. Uh, and so here's hoping it doesn't get destroyed in like a, a, a mail sorter. <laughs> right. Um, like a thresher that they put all the mail through. I fully, <laughs> I fully support this. I am curious mm-hmm. as to why. Uh, because it is a much simpler process because all i need to do is take an envelope uh, take two envelopes uh, address them both and stamp them both it is far easier than getting a large like inflexible two two of them from the post office addressing them having them put the postage on uh, this is a much more like diy i don't have to actually like go in and you know like wait at a counter and stuff um so that 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 is why makes total sense if it does not work uh, we will probably never know because I put as the <laughs> I put as the return address just my address, and instead of putting my name, I put NCS mm-hmm. uh, on it. So, uh, and I didn't put the apartment number; I just put the uh, the the street address. So, uh, if that envelope is determined to be undeliverable, um, I will I, I'll never know. It'll never. Do you know get what? Back I I actually believe I firmly believe that the postal service would find a way to get it back to you. You you really <laughs> I I really do. They're like they're really for they can like track people down. It's pretty um magical. And if not, we'll just blame it on whoever you sent it out to. We'll never know. 
Yeah, great point. And look, look, look. Uh, the the person that I did send uh, Sonic Forces to most recently um, did send me an email back saying, uh, "How how long um, how long can I keep it before uh, re- returning it, or how when when would you like me to send it back to you?" And I said, "Hey, the beauty of the Sonic Forces borrowing program, and this goes for everyone, <laughs> is that I am not telling you. No one can tell you what to do. It's like Outback. It's Forces. like Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, no rules, just right." And when you're here, your family. It's also <laughs> so it's also like Olive Garden. Uh, also, um, I want my baby back. I was really yeah. reaching for that one. That's okay. <laughs> What's a no? I don't know. I was, I, I was just I couldn't even think of the name Texas Roadhouse. Is that? Oh right? yeah. Um, also, yeah. thank goodness it's Fridays. I uh, but really, I was joking, of course, about blaming the person who you sent it to because the That's Sonic right. Forces right. program is a perfect borrowing program. And so, That's of right. course, whatever happens was meant to happen. One hundred percent. All right. Oh, Mark, we don't have it on our show notes here. Um, so maybe that it is inappropriate for us to start talking about it now. But in October, to celebrate Mario's 35th anniversary, we are going to be doing an episode all about our favorite Mario memories, our favorite memories with the Mario franchise. And look, Mark and I are just two people. Maybe there'll be a third person on the episode. I don't know. We need your Mario memories, your the moments that you had with them, where you were blown away, when you were uh, moved to tears, to laughter, whatever, however Mario has affected you, we want to know. Um, I don't know exactly the date of this episode, but get your memories into us early. You can email them to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And we will talk about them on the show. We want to look. We want to go all out for October. It's going to be a whole like month of Mario programming, um, and we need you to be a part of it. So please, uh, please do that. Also, Mark, one more thing. Also, not in our show notes. We're freewheeling here today. Uh, we would like more reviews on the Apple Podcast Store. So if you store, maybe not a store. Uh, Apple Podcasts, get in there, review the show. Uh, five stars. Or four stars. I don't want to sway you either way. As many stars as you think we deserve. Uh, we appreciate it. It helps us out tremendously. Um, and wherever you can leave reviews uh, helps us out a lot. Um, we love seeing the feedback. So thank you for everyone who has done that. And thank you to everyone who's thinking about doing it, who's actually going to follow through. If you're not actually going to follow through, I may rescind my thank you. All right, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. Mark, an exciting update. Ooh. My Wii U has now, I am now just calling it Big Game Boy Advance (laughs) because I have loaded it up, as I've stated on previous episodes, with Game Boy Advance games that I've purchased from the eShop. It's the only eShop that allows you to buy GBA games. Um, And I am going back and playing a handful of Stone Cold Classics that I missed for whatever reason. GBA wasn't a big system for me. I know it was a big one for you, but, uh, you know, I was just sort of out of it at that time. Um, And, uh, you know, my apartment is small enough, and I have repositioned my Wii U in the mathematical center of the apartment so i can now use the wii u gamepad anywhere in the apartment uh tethered to the actual like you know console itself Mm -hmm. right because the you can't get the gamepad very far away from the thing and when yeah go ahead no no no. i was just gonna say that's interesting so is it in not necessarily hooked up to a tv anymore like is it just a console 
that uh, now you can use the uh, Wii Pad, Wii U Pad, whenever wherever you want. That's it. that is exactly correct. So uh, it is. It was sitting, you know, in the entertainment center under the TV, but then I couldn't. I could. It wouldn't reach from uh, from the bed, right? So if I if I'm in the bedroom playing uh, in in bed, um, it it would disconnect. Uh, you know, un- unreliable. So I instead moved it to the switch shelf, which is like sort of on the interior wall that separates the living room from the bedroom, um, and it can do that just fine. So there is no space in the apartment where I cannot access the Wii U through the Wii U gamepad. And if I truly want to throw it up on the TV, I can take the Switch's HDMI cable and just plug it in there. That's awesome. That's like, and also, uh, also it's interesting that it's just like, I guess it's it's a good like six or eight feet that you moved it, but like that that made like all the difference. Yeah, 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 absolutely. absolutely. And it's, it's, I love that it, I am turning this <laughs> this uh you know piece of home console hardware into a big Game Boy Advance and this this is my the screen is so big it's so much bigger than a, a regular Game Boy <laughs> it's Advance it's like you're right? describing a duck oh it's so big it's so oh. big it's so big <laughs> no i i do i love it to pieces it's so good and you know during uh you know r- right now um like I mentioned, uh, alluded to earlier, we are in a, a bit of a heat wave um, in Los Angeles, and they are advising that we, you know, are more responsible with our power usage uh, between the hours of three and ten p.m., which uh, are prime uh, air conditioning times. Um, but also, uh, you know, if I'm turning on the TV uh, or anything like that, that takes up that's a lot of wattage right there. The Wii U is a famously, uh, you know, has a famously low power draw, um, so I feel pretty good about uh, playing that. Uh, even in a time when we're supposed to be conserving power. I'm so jealous of your like Game Boy Advance, <laughs> like your big boy Game Boy Advance. I love yes. it. I, uh, I, I want one so bad. That's such a Game- fun idea. Game Big Boy is that that might be that may be what I need to call it. So I've been using it to play uh, the game just known as Fire Emblem on on the Game Boy Advance, um, the very first one that was ever localized uh, to the states or just any outside of Japan, I guess. Um, and I'm loving it. Uh, I'm I'm in like the twelfth or thirteenth chapter right now, um, which means I've played through the entire Prelude with with Lin. Uh, and also, I mean, only a Fire Emblem game could get away with ten a ten chapter long prelude <laughs> something that you spend that you spend six hours on and be like yeah that's the tutorial <laughs> um but i'm loving it uh the the uh the pixel art is beautiful um i wish that all fire emblem games uh were this like uh simple and nice looking um not that i don't love the rest of them because i do um but yeah so that's that that is the the form that my uh you know 2020 uh gba renaissance is taking right now and uh, the this Fire Emblem, I I've never played it. Um, Three Houses was the was the first one that I really d- dove into. Um, this was before they started adding like the mode that I took advantage of, where permadeath you could you could turn off permadeath, right? Like it's not even an yeah. option in this game. No, and there there are no um like uh, difficulty sliders or anything. The game is the game. <laughs> um, but but, but, but uh, since I am playing it on a virtual console, there are there is a, a save state that I can take advantage of. Um, but even that, you kind of got to be careful because like if you make... 
if like your first three moves in, in any given fight like aren't right um and you're like oh okay i'm just gonna like you know save this here like you really do run the risk of like losing someone forever um but you know at, at any time you can always just turn the game off start over and mm-hmm. uh, st- start the fight again um which I have done now a couple times now that I am out of the uh, <laughs> out of the tutorial chapters. Um, but I I don't know like I I'm starting to I'm starting to get to the point where I may just let some characters die as I go. Um, it's it's always a that's a that's a tough switch to to flip where you go from being like no everyone goes with me through through every chapter and you're like you know what. Some of these guys I don't love. Some of these guys can die and stay dead. That's okay. Uh, well, but I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Yeah, I. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's. It just sounds like so much fun to be able to like. Uh, you know, it's been so long since I've played any of those games. It'd basically be like rediscovering them or playing them for the first time. A lot of the, in a yeah. lot of cases, and that just sounds like a great way to spend the summer. Uh, it also it, one of the things that it has uh, tipped me off to is that there is still a GBA Fire Emblem game that was never localized. Um, there, there's that. There is there was a a Rhythm Heaven game um, for GBA that was never localized, and there's Mother Three. Um, so there is like yeah. a a holy trinity of uh, never localized uh, outside of Japan uh, GBA games that like man, if Nintendo wanted to like just sell something uh a a three pack of those or put those in a gba classic or whatever um would they'd clean up they everyone would want it well mother three's coming any day now right reggie reggie right mother right reggie reggie that's why they fired you right (laughs) um so i've i'm still playing paper mario the origami king um really enjoying it i don't have a ton more to say other than like i never am really getting good at the battle system I just have a lot of coins that I can throw at toads to help uh, whirl that puzzle around. And there's like a few instances, like um, uh, there's like a a sequence where you kind of like, in order to progress, you have to solve some puzzles um, using the um, like turning mechanic, turning like the dial mechanic. And I'm like real bad at it. I'm still like my brain just like, cannot like view that battlefield and like solve puzzles that way under a time limit like it just is incredibly challenging for me um the 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 height of the game for me has still been like that tower in shogun studios where there's like different like um little play vignettes um in different styles that are all near and dear to my heart but i am really enjoying the game i just am like at the last ribbon so i think i'm fairly close to like the end game um but yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun it is definitely taking me a while but uh i'm really enjoying my time with it i feel like that's the the pace you should be taking those games at though right like you know yeah yeah mainlining any video game isn't like super good for you or for the game but like a paper mario game is like sort of intentionally you know relaxing and meandering so like yeah play it at that speed Totally. Um, I had a thought about uh, Shogun Studios um, that it feels a lot like the um, movie theater or not movie theater, the like movie studio uh, floor in Luigi's Mansion. Um, do because we, we played through that uh, that oh, section of the game yeah, together, right? Yeah. Um, yes, it does. It does kind of. It, it's like a mix of that plus like uh, 
I don't even know. But like that that sort of vibe, but then also like a theme park on top of it. Oh man. I'm gonna have to play this game someday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Um, Just one or two releases that we wanted to talk about this week. So on uh, August 20th, Chinese Parents is released on the Switch eShop. This is a game that was originally released on Steam uh, in like uh, Chinese only and like shot to the top of the Steam charts for a while. And has now is coming out on consoles, is coming out on the Switch on the 20th. Um, it's a game where, like, you play... It's I think it's, like, a, almost, like, weirdly, like, a resource management or, like, strategy game hmm. where you're... I think you play as a child from, like, the um, very beginning of their life through the end. And um, it, it, it just... It looks really interesting. Basically, like, the choices you make, right, like, you have to learn, like, skills that a child would learn, and then, like, those uh, affect the way that you, like, go through life, and then you have to take, like, the big, like, college entrance exam that is a really, really big deal for, um, like, kids in China, and then I think that, like, uh, the choices you make, it's almost like there's, like, a new game plus, but just how... Uh, in life, you know, like how your parents' choices affect your life, uh, th- the choices that you make in the first round, if you start a new game, like affect like you are that your progression child. in like, the next one. Yeah. Oh boy, that sounds stressful, Mark. <laughs> it does sound stressful. <laughs> uh, uh, and then all, uh, coming out on the 21st is, uh, which I believe is the Friday, that's Friday, um, is Samurai Jack Battle Through Time. Um, uh, Samurai Jack, one of those, um, you know, like a- adult swim cartoons that has like a uh, a sort of rabid following. Uh, not a series I was ever uh, super able to get into. I like uh, uh, Gendy Tartofsky, but Tartofsky? whatever his name is. Um, I, I like his style. Um, and to see that like in video game form seems pretty cool. And it's coming out on Friday. Also, I would suspect, and again, we will talk about this in a little bit that there will be some, uh, and it's out today. Uh, oh, yeah, announcements of indie games, uh, coming out on Tuesday, but, um, we won't know that until it happens. So, <laughs> uh, Mark and any of these, are, are you, uh, thinking about picking up Chinese parents or is just a, a an interesting curiosity for you there? Yeah. Just a, a game that I'm interested that I think is interesting. Um, I don't know that I'm going to pick it up right now, but maybe when it goes on sale. Um, all right, well, let's close out the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today I have asked that we discuss the original Jurassic Park trilogy uh, of movies. I'm referring to here, not the 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 books. Did you read the 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 books? Yeah, I did. Um, Jurassic Park and Lost World. Yeah, around the so I I read Lost World when it like came out. I remember, or when it came out on paperback. I remember like buying it at an airport when I was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 or something. Um, yeah. And then 
like four or five years ago, maybe even not that long, because I think we talked about it on this show, is that I uh, checked out The Lost Worlds from the library and was like, I'm going to reread it. And it was terrible. But I remember liking the book when I was a kid. But like yeah. the, the book, reading it now, it's so obnoxious because like characters just like give this like si- like scientific screed all the time but they do it in a really like you know somebody it's it's just awful <laughs> yeah everything just like super didactic and yeah. yeah uh the the sort of stuff that i like ate up as a kid because i was like whoa someone's talking about the world i love the world <laughs> um yeah i i don't really know what motivated it uh this weekend but sarah and i watched um, the Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 on consecutive days, Saturday and Sunday. Um, skipped the first one, which is arguably <laughs> the only good one. That's not true. That's not true. But it is. It's the no, I, I best, think it's true. The best by a long shot. The thing is, okay, I for a long time sort of held the belief that uh, Lost World uh, was bad and that Jurassic Park 3 was bad, but I didn't have any expectations for it because like, you know, right you just why would you, you yeah. yeah why would you um so like that redeemed it a little bit that like my expectations were so low and then met it and it was a fun dinosaur movie and so like it, it exceeds on that on those grounds um reporting to you from the other side of this most recent viewing that is absolutely not the case <laughs> Jurassic Park 3 <laughs> succeeds on no level um it's terrible and subverts the like message of the two previous movies because like jurassic park and lost world have a very like anti-corporate anti-the-man like um you know that moneyed interests are going to get everyone killed right like that's what those movies are about and in jurassic park 3 uh, the day is saved when Laura Dern calls the military into the <laughs> island, and there's like there's like a heroic Jurassic Park fanfare when like the army guys storm the beach. It's gross. <laughs> uh, yeah, that movie was uh, famously like a nightmare in shooting and production, and so I'm oh, pretty yeah? sure I'm pretty sure that ending was just like it feels like totally out of nowhere, and I am positive yeah. it was absolutely just come up with out of nowhere. Uh, but it, it does have one of my favorite Jurassic Park moments, which is uh, Dr. Grant's dream sequence when the raptor is, like, talking to him. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, Alan, Alan. <laughs> he wakes up. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's pretty stupid. The uh, I, So for as, as much as there is wrong with the Lost World, and there is quite a bit uh, wrong with Lost World, it is still a Steven Spielberg movie, so it is still very well shot. Um, and just like the language and pacing of um, characters being hunted by a dinosaur is still very good. Like the sequence where um, they've taken the baby T-Rex oh, yeah, back the to trailers. Like, the camper. Yeah. Um, and then like the two T-Rexes, like one on either side, like Spielberg is so patient at like doling them out. Like you see one and like the head is hovering there in the window. And then like you see the reverse side and like down comes a second head. And it takes a little bit for you to be like, hold on, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on. There are two of these things. And then like it flips them over and it's like hanging over the edge. It's so cool. Like, yeah, there are parts of that movie that really work. Yeah. Like it does have some really good sequences and like Spielberg is obviously a master. I feel like the problem with all of the sequels, including the most recent ones is that um, the first movie is about like hubris a little bit and, or yeah. maybe not a little bit, but the first one's about hubris. And so like, right. Like people don't necessarily know that it's completely stupid but then like the rest of the movies you have to like everybody knows it's a terrible idea at that point you gotta you gotta get past it somehow yeah 
But that's sort of why Lost World works is because Ian Malcolm is the perspective character and his whole thing is saying how stupid it is. So like at every turn, he's like, you're not, you're not making the same mistakes. You're making all new ones. You know, you know right. like it's, I don't know if it's, oh, well, that's, I guess we will uh, never, we'll never, never know. know. We'll never know what I was going to say about that. Um, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Okay, so today, this morning, Tuesday, August 18th, Nintendo is showing a Nintendo Indie World Showcase at 9 a.m. Pacific time. So possibly, probably, maybe even, by the time you listen to this, um, the Indie World Showcase will have already happened. But as of this recording, it hasn't. The presentation is 20 minutes. And like the previous Indie World Showcases, we'll focus on indie games coming to Switch. Um, I don't know, Patrick, how much speculation do we want to do, given that most people will have already watched the presentation by the time that uh, they listen to this episode? Yeah, I love speculation that is good for, at best, <laughs> nine hours. <laughs> but, you know, uh, sportscasters do it before a game, right? They they say what During they think is going to happen. During a game. So, look, we're doing great. Um, I, I think, so they're... they're it's always hard to know like what to expect from these things, right? Because uh, indies, by their very nature, um, the very the, the reason they're having uh, indie showcases is that they are lower profile games. But I do think that there are a couple high profile uh, indie releases that are sort of lingering question marks at this point, um, including Hollow Knight Silk Song, um, Axiom Verge Two, which was teased in a, a previous one of these, um, and then Delta Rune. We got the first oh, chapter right. of Delta Rune, Delta Rune, the follow up to Undertale. Uh, by Toby Fox. Um, and so, like, you know, we could get more information on any of those. Um, also, just because it is a, a, a big indie right now, Fall Guys um, on PlayStation and um, PC is a big deal. If that were coming to Nintendo um, and Nintendo platforms, that would be uh, huge. Um, but, like, I, honestly, I don't have any I don't have any real expectations. Those are just some sort of outstanding question marks that we have right now. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. Uh, there's not really anything that I'm like. I I, I feel like in a we have it, at the beginning of the Switch's life, there were so many indie games that like yeah. weren't on a Nintendo platform and weren't on Switch yet, and so there was like a flood of big um like titles that have been around for like ten years that you're like, oh, this is finally coming to Switch, and so those were the ones that for me had a lot of like um I like recognized them. And so now when there's, like, these indie showcases, there's a lot of games that, like, I'm not already familiar with the name. And so it's hard for me to, like, guess as to what is going to be revealed. Um, One thing that we know is not going to be shown off, probably, uh, is Sports Story. So this is the sequel to Golf Story, um, which was released on Switch back in, I think, 2017. Oh yes, exactly. You wrote that in the show notes. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> um, so it was. See, that is in the show notes. <laughs> Sometimes things aren't in the show notes. This one is. <laughs> so uh, when it was first revealed, Sports Story was originally set to release in mid 2020, but uh, just yesterday they put out a delay announcement trailer. Um, this was on Monday, saying that you know, like the game's been delayed. They it is bigger than they were. You know, like once they got into it, it's bigger than they had originally anticipated and no word yet on a revised release date, but it's one that I'm looking forward to. 
And um, a friend of the show, Greg Smith, last week he wrote an uh, article for Collider listing, was it the 30 best uh, games on Switch? 20 best games on Switch? I feel like it was 25. Let's 25, the yeah. There. It was 25. <laughs> uh, and uh, he had Golf Story on there. And I completely agree. I loved Golf Story. Um, and uh, I'm excited for whenever Sports Story comes out. But in the meantime, you should go check out Greg's article on Collider. It's a good even list. though it even though it does not include Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of uh, <laughs> an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, um, it is still a very good list. Um, um, Mark, do you think th- do you think there's before we move off this topic? Do you mm-hmm. think there is any chance that there is a Cadence of Hyrule esque um, thing here, where an indie studio mm. has been given access to Nintendo IP? Like, is that? Do you think uh, there are more of those in the works, um, or was that like a one-time thing? We're never going to see it again. I will never say never. I don't. Uh, so who knows if it'll happen in this indie world showcase? But I do think that it's something that we will see more and more of. Um, just like you know, we've seen Nintendo be m- more open to collaboration with, um, you know, like uh, Cadence Hive Rule is a great example, but also like. Uh, um, Uniqlo, like for clothing, Lego more recently, like these like board games, Mm -hmm. like Nintendo has always had some licenses, but I feel like they've, they're very overt now about talking about wanting to expand their IP. And I think like partnering with uh, these other studios in unexpected ways is something that I will not be surprised if we see more of in the future. It also, uh, and I, this is maybe always the case, uh, but it feels especially pronounced now that like the appetite for new Nintendo games is so big and like uh, just so vast that like if they can partner with more indie developers and get uh, games that look like Nintendo games, even if they're not Nintendo developed, um, that that is good for the platform um, and, you know, like answer some of those like, well, we don't even know what we're going to be playing on our Switches at the totally. end of the year, which is something that we've said um so yeah I, I i wouldn't be surprised if um there are a lot of those in the works but yeah who knows if anything is uh you know, near any um point of you know be- being announced or anything like that uh speaking of announcements of announcements uh that may be irrelevant by the time that you are listening to this so wb montreal uh the team that was behind batman arkham origins uh, and hasn't, I don't think we've heard anything from them since, has teamed right. their new game on uh, Twitter in a video. It played a coded message that reads, quote, we have been expecting you, 818. Um, and the uh, one of the E's in Ben is like a three. Um, and then it reveals a countdown timer counting down to Tuesday, August 18th at 8 a.m. So today, again, probably by the time that you have already listened to this, it'll be revealed. So uh, there are also flashes of three different insignia on the tease, uh, none that match any currently existing in the DC universe. But the speculation around this game for a while has been that uh, they're working on a Batman game based on the Court of Owls storyline from uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's uh, New 52 run from, gosh, probably like 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, well, from the beginning of the, yeah, almost 10 years ago, from the beginning of the New 52. Um, so, which is a, a storyline that I uh, really liked in the Court of Owls is a, a cool villain, um, or a cool set of villains, as it were. Um, so, like, if, if that is the case, I'm, I mean, I was just about to say, if that's the case, I'm excited to see what they're up to. I'm excited to see what they're up to anyway. Yeah. Um, a new Batman game is, is cause for excitement. It's interesting that, uh, you know, we haven't 
heard from Rocksteady or WB Montreal for a lot of years now. And then we're hearing about both of their games of in like yeah. a matter of like weeks. Um, the the WB Montreal one, like I do wonder if it'll be a game uh, basically just like in the spirit of the back uh, Batman like uh, Arkham yeah. Asylum games, which makes sense. That was an incredibly successful series. And so it does make sense if like WB Montreal is going to continue on that. If that is the case, it makes me even more interested to learn about Rocksteady's like Suicide Squad game to know how they like will differentiate themselves or if they are like very similar, but um, you know, they're just going to be released many, like a few years apart or something. My, my suspicion is that they are um, generationally different games Mm. that, um, that whatever WB Montreal's game is, is going to be something playable on the existing the current hardware, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, uh, maybe Switch. Part of the reason why I put this item in in the news, um, you know, the most recent Arkham game did has has not appeared on Switch. Um, uh, Arkham City is on Wii U, but I don't think it's a particularly good version of that game. Um, but, you know, regardless, like, I, I, I'm kind of holding out hope that the WB Montreal game is one that we will be able to play on Switch, because um, I'm sort of, I don't think there's any shot that the Suicide Squ- Squad game uh, ends up coming to um, current hardware. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And probably, like, the Suicide Squad game is, you know, like, a year or so away. Yeah. Um, one, <laughs> one thing I wanted to point out about the Suicide Squad game is that the full title seems to be Suicide Squad colon Kill the Justice League, which uh, I thought is was funny because to me it sounded like the like rides at Disneyland where they're not just going to call it like the Little Mermaid ride or Monsters Inc. It always has some like horrendous right. subtitle where it's like Monsters Inc. colon uh you know like uh Mike and Sully to the rescue or the Little Mermaid, right. Colleen, Ariel's Undersea Adventure. And that's how I feel like this is, where it's like, oh, it's the Suicide Squad ride. No, it's called Suicide Squad, colon, Squad. Kill, the colon Justi- kill the Justice League. <laughs> uh, the thing is, without the colon, I think it's a really good title. If there's no colon, if it's just the Suicide Squad kills the Justice, if it's kills the Justice League, that's funny. That, that is, is funny. a funny game title. But they really dropped the ball on that one, possibly. I guess we don't know. The game hasn't... <laughs> technically been revealed yet but we we assume that the because it's a like a a website or something was registered as suicide no it's uh the the panel for this weekend at uh dc fandom yeah uh, is revealed it as suicide squad colon kill the justice league uh the crowdfunded spiritual successor to castlevania called bloodstained ritual of the night kind of had a fraught release on switch uh when it came out it arrived one week later than the other versions and had like a number of performance issues that they were kind of slow to patch. I think now it's in a fairly stable state, but it took a while to get there. Um, interestingly, in a Famitsu interview with creator uh, Koji Igarashi, uh, Iga revealed that the game sold best on Switch, uh, saying, quote, that it was like well above their expectations, and that the uh, game has, in total has sold over 1 million units. Um, that is fascinating to me. Uh, for, for whatever reason... Um, I, I know that indie games do uh, tend to sell better on Switch than they do on other platforms. Um, but for whatever reason, I didn't I, like possibly because of the fraught release and it being like delayed by the week and then having uh, performance issues. Uh, I was under the impression that people were just 
opting to play it on other platforms. But it seems like that's not the case. Yeah, in in that same interview in Famitsu, he talks about how um, uh, he talks about how the like he, they were surprised as well. And his speculation is that. Like because those games, those Castlevania games, especially at the end of their lives, were so associated with Nintendo hardware, with like the GBA, the DS, and uh, sure. also that like it, the those games, or sorry, those games in general always sold in North, well in North America. But he was saying that Bloodstained, uh, specifically sold like fifty percent in the U.S. Um, and he thinks that like all of that had like some effect on what platform people bought it on that's yeah it's so interesting um and the what are the other ones called curse of the moon the uh yeah the 8-bit mm-hmm. ones um that those feel like very switch releases to me like having that the more like a uh, throwback 8-bit uh retro uh style um i <laughs> Do I need to pick up Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? Like, is, is that a game that I, I feel yeah. like it is? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't pick it up when it came out, partly because of the kind of uh, middling reviews. But it's a game type I enjoy, and I liked the. D- Do you know what? Actually, Patrick, maybe you should buy the uh, the GBA ones, not the one that mm-hmm. I, I, I get the titles mixed up in my head. There's one that came out with the release of the GBA, and that one is like well regarded. But the, I think there's a sequel on the GBA that people really like a lot, and so maybe that's what you should pick up. Aria of Sorrow, Harmony of Dissonance, or Circle of the Moon? Which is it right now? <laughs> under oath. <laughs> I'll find out, and I will. Uh, I'll text you. <laughs> All right. Very good. <laughs> Or if you know it at home, uh, email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. And let me know what Castlevania game I should play in the Game Boy Advance. I've got all three on my wish list, and I'm going to buy probably all three of them, but which one should I play first? (laughs) Uh, Iga also says that uh, he wants to expand the series Bloodstained. um, And, you know, with a million copies sold, it seems like there's definitely an appetite for it. But he's also interested in doing something new first. Mm, why not combine the two and do like a new game a new game genre like in that stuff like use use the facade of bloodstained mm, to do mm-hmm. like not a castlevania style yeah game. do a exactly. tactics game do yeah, an rpg do, do like the hey do a rhythm Pick game <laughs> do, yeah <laughs> all the stuff you'd get with a persona 5 right with a persona game yeah, just blow it out. Although I hate Pikmin is not a good. <laughs> it's also kind of the reverse, like uh, going from like a hey yes. Pikmin is going from a tactics game to like a platformer, and this would be doing the reverse hey Pikmin, where you're going from a platformer to a like tactics game. Mm. A Pikmin hey. <laughs> uh, okay, here's a like an intriguing one. Is The Legend of Zelda, The Skyward Sword, coming to Switch? And I know, listener, what you are saying, because you are a longtime listener, and you remember when we originally brought up these vague teases that Aonuma mm-hmm. was, you know, giving at, like, Zelda concerts, and then Nintendo came out and released a statement and was like, no, we're not doing it. It's not happening. Stop asking us about it. And yet... Yes. War- at Wario64 on Twitter, shared a link to the Amazon UK store for such a port, a Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword port for Switch. The na- the link now leads to an inactive page, and this is, of course, just you know a rumor, 
uh, retailer listings mean mm-hmm. nothing. But, Patrick, do you believe that this could be true? I, I, I do sort of believe that it could be true, but it honestly just makes me more disappointed because, like, if, if this is something that's, like, popping up now, that means that, like, maybe it's going to be part of, like, a November-December release. Um, and then, like, we've got Pikmin 3 uh, coming in uh, October. And it's just like, uh-oh, um, are we going to get these Mario ports or not? Like, do y- you know what I mean? Like, it's it's uh, the, the rumors are all circulating around so many different uh, ports and HD upgrades and stuff. Um, and, like, I kind of just want to play a new game now. Um, and failing that, I kind of want to play those Mario games. Um, so, like... Someday, sure, I'll be excited about it. But like, I don't know. What What do you think, Mark? Are you excited? Do you believe it? Well, uh, I I do tend to believe it. Um, I think you know, like, it is the one of those like modern Zeldas, right? That has yeah. since uh the since Wind Waker that hasn't had a HD remake. Um, Skyward Sword. I otherwise would just be on Wii. I am super curious to know that, like, if this is true, what is the control scheme like? Yeah, how do you um, play it? Because you know, I, like we were talking about when we were doing our uh, retro E three, when we were and uh, they had the demo, the onstage demo for Skyward Sword. One of the huge, like, reasons that game was made the way it was made was so you could control the sword one to one with the Wiimote and they made that you big, had to yes that, exactly like, that, that precision deal was, about like the yeah. combat and how like the game in the demo anyways felt seemed a lot slower and more deliberate because the combat w- was required required it because it was like a, a puzzle almost that you had to solve but you know as someone who didn't play skyward sword because i never got a Wii Motion Plus. I am definitely interested in checking it out, but I a hundred percent if it turns out to be true. But I a hundred percent agree with you that like even let's say that the Mario ports are coming this year. We have, you know, as much reason to believe they are as they aren't. Um, <laughs> we have Pikmin. We have Pikmin three. Not this is not necessarily a Skyward Sword would not necessarily be this year. It could be early next year or something. Sure, but still, you're like. Nintendo has a super weird 2020. Just the weirdest release schedule. And like also I I would I know they just came out on uh Wii U, but Twilight Princess and Wind Waker would be more exciting uh ports to come to Switch. Um like they're better games. <laughs> um and I already know those those HD remakes uh play well um with like a, a standard controller scheme um and like I don't know. I I I I would be excited to play Skyward Sword, but you know, like you mentioned that the um the pace of the combat seems very slow and if they're unable to uh you know port the you know exact same um like motion controls over and you're just like doing button inputs or you know like swiping around on a, a thumbstick to like do all the same things, it's not going to feel the same way, right? Like I don't know. I, I almost feel like this is one of those unportable games. Unportable yeah. cannot be ported. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I completely know what you mean. Um, you know, part of me is like, you know, having a brand new Zelda that I've never played before will be really cool. It, it's hard to speculate without actually knowing what it is. 
because yeah, totally. maybe it comes with a new peripheral for Switch that has that like one-to-one combat. Switch you Motion know? Plus? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, there are so many yeah. like possibilities. And like, yeah, if I'm playing the Switch port and it's all um, button-based and there's no motion controls, like it's it's going to be a completely different experience. And I wonder if in their remaking this game that they accom- like accommodate that. Um, I do tend to believe it's true. But uh, I'm super curious to know what, how, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, in in doing a little research for this, uh, a lot of uh, news outlets um, noted that well, the uh, the link um, that Wario sixty four provided uh, leads to a dead page. Um, the URL still contains the words um, Legend Zelda Skyward Sword Switch. Um, but uh, you can remove a handful of letters from any of those words and hit enter, and it will still bring you to that. Uh, oops, this page doesn't exist mm-hmm. on Amazon. So, like, that's you'll hear that if you uh, hear this news item elsewhere. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything. You can put any words in there, and it'll <laughs> give you a this this page doesn't exist. There's a new Netflix documentary series releasing on Wednesday about video games called High Score. Uh, reviews are out, and with the reviews, some like previews and fun tidbits from the series are coming out too. Um, and NintendoEnthusiast.com wrote up a little article talking about something from the final episode of the series. Uh, as part of the final episode, they talk about the relationship between Argonaut Software and Nintendo and how that led to the development of Star Fox. Um, Argonaut Studio, I think they, uh, Dylan Cuthbert, who we talked about in our uh, Nintendo Sci-Fi, and uh, I have the name here, uh, Giles Goddard, um, I think they were like the two main guys from Argonaut Studios, and I think they're both British or from the UK, and um, basically like Nintendo brought them to Nintendo headquarters in Japan and had them work on developing Star Fox. And they talk. It's so they t- cool. It it's is so cool. So, yeah, and they talk about that experience uh, on this episode of High Score. Um, and and in part of it, they give the quote. This is uh, Goddard spoke speaking. Says quote: They they meaning Nintendo never had anybody outside Nintendo working in the building. They actually made a separate office for us in one room on our own, basically segregated out. The only place in the office where they allowed Miyamoto to smoke was in this place, the area where we were. Uh, This is Cuthbert talking. He'd light up behind us and he's like smoking away and we're like programming away and we're like, oh, is he back again? So we'd be trying to implement something quite interesting. And then he just starts talking about trees or something or, you know, just something completely out there. But we realized after a while that that's actually the reason why he's so much a creative genius. It's because his brain is kind of thinking about all these different things at the same time. How delightful. It's... More Miyamoto stories, please. <laughs> it does sound like, I mean, what like a, uh, I'm sure it was incredibly challenging, but what like a magical, yes. you know, like experience. <laughs> yeah, to get, to get uh, like a legend from the company who barges into your office space and then smokes at you for a while. <laughs> what a <laughs> way to get try... <laughs> secondhand smoke. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, Nintendo enthusiast also points out that according to a New Yorker profile of Miyamoto from 2010, uh, he gave up smoking in Pachinko when he turned 40. So um, he no longer smokes. 
Um, do you remember that there's also like that uh, that story um, where someone was asking him what he does, like in an interview, like what do you do for fun or what do you do to relax? Uh, and he's like, well, I used to ride my bike to work, but they don't let me do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also he just <laughs> slowly given up everything <laughs> can't smoke can't do pachinko can't ride his bike <laughs> well also i think he talks when like people ask him he talk he he's a little bit like uh um sakurai where he's like i'm not gonna talk about what i'm playing sakurai is like i'm not gonna talk about what i'm playing because um people always ask me like oh is that character gonna show up in smash and i think miyamoto yeah. you know like uh he's talked about in the past how like he thinks he was doing inspires games and how like Pikmin came out of his love of gardening and all that stuff. And I think he also chooses, at least for a while, he was choosing not to talk about what his hobbies were because it led to people like having all this speculation about that it would like turn into a game of some sort. But we do know that one of his hobbies for a while was making a game out of measuring things <laughs> or guess guessing the measurements of things that he would like walk into a room and be like, hey, how, how long does everyone think this table is? And then they would guess and then he'd measure it <laughs> with like, a measuring tape that he just keeps on him at all times just so we can play this game. Delightful. Um, so, uh, hold on, wait, Mark, Mark, along those, along those lines, yeah. I'm sorry, this is a question that has come up, uh, a, a couple times in my life, the, the, the last, like, week and a half or so, how big would a blueberry need to be for you to decide not to eat it? <laughs> what is the uh, size of blueberry where you're like, that blueberry's too big, I'm not gonna eat it? I think, I think anything over half an inch, and you're really, like, you're really pushing it. Yeah, I, I think anything, like, I, I like the novelty of eating a very big blueberry, but I think, like, it's got to be smaller than a tomato or, like... <laughs> to yeah. <laughs> Have you encountered anyway, a lot of blueberries that are bigger than tomatoes? No, none. But, I mean, this is this is where, that like, that's where I, first of all, uh, uh, really a blueberry the size of a golf ball has me asking questions, right? Like, I'm, I'm suspicious of that blueberry. Yeah. But I think I would still try to eat it. Like, there's something about a big, juicy blueberry that feels like it's going to be good no matter what. But, like, you get to tomato size, and I'm just like, no, forget it. I'm not slicing <laughs> a blueberry to put it on, like, a, a turkey sandwich or something. So, it's not so going to happen. So you would eat a blueberry up to the size of a golf ball, no questions asked? I would probably ask questions, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, like, where is where is the line where you're like, I don't care whose assurances I get. I'm not going to eat that blueberry. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I'm way more conservative than you. I'm like more than yeah. half an inch, and it's like no, like I'm not risking it. I why would I risk it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something about biting into a uh, blueberry that's the size of like a, a like a big like uh, tomato that makes me want to hurl. It's physically repellent, <laughs> isn't it? I had a friend say that there was no size blueberry that was too big. And I no. was like, a beach ball? The size of the balls <laughs> that the American gladiators roll around in? That's not too big? No, that's, that's um, an unfortunate mental image. Uh, Nintendo has announced a management briefing session that'll be held on September 16th in Tokyo. Uh, no specific details are given about what the briefing will entail. Um, but they did say that they're not showing off any new products or services or anything like that. So it seems like it's going to be around like um, something corporate focused. It's uh, not you or um, I was going to say it's unusual, but I guess that's, that's not really what I want to say. It's more that just like Nintendo doesn't hold something, an event like this very often. Uh, you know, they of course have 
annual shareholder meetings and um, stuff like that. But they, yeah. So who who knows what this is? Leadership changes? I I don't know. It it's an interesting meeting to be called. So the the current president of Nintendo is uh, Tatsumi Kimishima, right? He's seventy years old. I mean, no, 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 no. He. Uh, no, no, no. Am I wrong? You are. You are wrong. He was. He was probably the person who was like the interim president after Iwata died. The new president oh, yes. of Nintendo is uh, young. Right. He's like in his forties. Um, I'm gonna Furukawa? look this up because now yeah, that might be right. Uh, I I feel bad not not knowing it off the top of my head. Uh, I think it's Shantaro Furukawa. Furukawa, that's right. And he is a he is a a much younger guy and a a, a business focused guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it is is there? There's really no way to predict what what's gonna happen at this thing, right? No, we could or wildly speculate. Us. Yeah. Mm. What if we wildly speculate? It gets picked up by some like uh, you know like Forbes contributor, and then uh, our and then our uh, listenership explodes because. People think we have, like, inside Nintendo tips. All right, so here it is. Kimishima's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, there's no way to know. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is likely that it'll be something that um, doesn't even trickle down to the gamers in any, like, uh, appreciable way or any noticeable way. Um, but, yeah, it, it just is interesting that uh, it is a thing that was announced and, uh, you know, just by being virtue of t- uh, that it's tied to video games and tied to Nintendo that it gets picked up, you know, in, in these, uh, the circles that we travel. Finally, uh, summer games done quick is happening right now. It's an all virtual event this year. Um, you can find the proceeds of it. All your donations go to doctors without borders. You can find the complete schedule. It runs through Sunday. Um, and you can donate at their website, gamesdonequick.com. Uh, there's a couple of runs that I'm looking forward to. Uh, on Thursday, on August 20th, um, there's an Ocarina of Time r- randomizer that's being played in co-op. Oh, the Ocarina of Time randomizer. I've never seen an Ocarina of Time one. I've seen uh, Link to the Past ones in uh, previous events, but uh, I- I'm excited to see what the Ocarina of Time one is like. Uh, the The real trip is watching the Link to the Past um, Super Metroid mashup yes. one. yeah. Uh, and then on Friday, August 21st, first, there's a Metroid Fusion 1% hard race, uh, which I hmm. don't know exactly what that means, but uh, I love Metroid Fusion. It'll be fun to see that run. And then there's a Breath of the Wild run, um, and the completion is getting all the dog treasures. Boy, that is... Does that just mean that you have to like go to all of the dogs and wait for them to like start sniffing yeah, around? Yeah, and... I think so, yeah. Wow! <laughs> and then on uh, Saturday, August 22nd, there's a uh, Smash Brothers 64 run that's blindfolded. It's uh, Break the Targets, all characters. Um, uh, this is another one that I've never seen run before. How do you do it blindfolded? I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, there's a lot of great games that are being played, even that uh, aren't necessarily Nintendo-focused. So you can check it out, the schedule at gamesdonequick.com. Blindfold runs are always super fun. There Was was this only like a year or two ago now where uh, someone did a blindfold 
um, uh, punch out run. Um, yeah. And like that, that there are a couple of like, there are a couple of points in the game where like you can just get sort of screwed by it that like the, it just sort of randomly deals you a hand that like you don't, you can't deal with uh, in blindfold. And actually now that I'm thinking about it, was it blindfold two people, one controller? I, I think it, I think it might've been, I think it was God, two people. Games done quick is so cool. <laughs> yeah, the blindfold runs are really fun. They are sometimes really um, sad if uh, somebody like <laughs> if it, they're super impressive when they're uh, you know wet, yeah. no matter how they're run. But sometimes like when if you get off, you're basically like screwed for the entire run, and that's always a little bit painful to see. Um, and as always, uh, I just want to uh, assure anyone that if this sounds like something you're vaguely interested in, but are maybe a little bit worried about the um, like ins and outs of how they're like hacking these games or whatever, if you think that's a little bit like too esoteric or hard to penetrate, um, there's always, always, always someone there explaining what's happening and why what's happening is remarkable. Um, so like uh, for the o- Ocarina of Time randomizer, um, there will be someone there s- explaining how someone is like clipping through walls or or, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, that's, uh, they. these are welcoming events, even if they feel like they're not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, uh, check them out. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge <laughs> Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Um, we like that. It helps us out tremendously. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying, and we got through the whole episode without talking about Fortnite. Whole thing. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, I'm Stevie Nelson. And I'm Dave Horowitz. And we're the hosts of I Burn Everything. It's a podcast about food and relationships, which, you know, if we're being honest, are two out of the three things people want to talk about anyway. What's the third thing? Netflix. Okay. We'd like you to rate, review, and subscribe if you like it. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, iPod. Stitcher. Do you still have iPods? <laughs> <laughs> if you have an iPod, do it on an iPod. I don't know. If you have a Zune, do it on your it's Zune. probably hard to even charge them now. Yeah, good luck. And if you have a Tamagotchi, you can't do any of this. Yeah, you can't stream audio on a Tamagotchi, but you you can feed them. Yeah, you still so keep feed feeding those it. little buggers. They're hungry. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Campfire. <laughs>